are now tuned in to the Storm Tracker Podcast. All right, it's the Storm Tracker Podcast. I'm Marcus Benjamin here with my guy, Frank Tucker, representing the crib, South Florida. We are representing CanesCounty.com, part of the Rivals Network. And we will, of course, talk about the Miami Hurricanes and recruiting. Big recruiting month finally coming to an end. And we are going into a dead period which means we've got a whole lot to talk about and we should see a wave of commitments just like we saw last year with Mario Cristobal and his staff. And kind of started this week, we've got Ryan Mack committing uh, to the class out of St. Thomas Aquinas powerhouse here in South Florida. And he adds to an already pretty impressive defensive back group. And I think what's most important here is that he's a legacy kid and he can potentially start or, or continue rather a pipeline from a, a legendary youth football team in the Miami gardens Ravens to continue to commit to Miami. But first off your thoughts on Ryan Mack committing to the class, Frank. I love the addition. He's got 10, 800 meter speed. He's got, he's got solid length at the cornerback spot, the versatility to play multiple positions. He's proven to be able to do that, playing free safety at St. Thomas Aquinas, playing nickel and also playing outside corner, uh, playing top competition on a consistent basis as well. And everybody talks about adding winners to this Miami program that hasn't won in a long time, and Ryan Max fits that mold to a T. You just spoke about the Miami Gardens Ravens team that he played for. He's an influential part of that, you know, of going to get guys like Jeremiah Smith and Josiah Trader, keeping Chance Robinson, Vincent Shavers. It's, I love the addition. I love what he brings on and off the field. And I think he's going to be a guy that could return to the blue chip rankings sooner than later. Yeah, absolutely. I like the versatility that he brings uh, to the class. I mean, he could play safety or corner. Uh, is great on man coverage. Uh, check out our guy Steve O's breakdown uh, just to see, you know, just the intangibles that this kid brings. Uh, but the fact that he is kind of the uh, a, a more of a connection to uh, Jashia Trader. You know, um, check out that story as well uh, as to him uh, really uh, influencing the star receiver out of Shamanad Madonna to work out at Legends Camp. And um, they both showed up together. Funny thing is, is like I, I came in or I was outside when they came in, saw Rod Mack, um, of course, um, Ryan Mack's father, the coach of the Miami Gardens Ravens during the time, and also Jashia Trader walking in uh, together. So obviously these guys are friends, um, you know, for a long time. And Jashia Trader, which, you know, we see this pretty commonly among high-profile guys. They'll show up to camps and, and not work out. And I don't think many of us were really expecting him to work out at Legends Camp, but Ryan Mack decided to, which in turn 
uh, caused Trader to work out at Legends Camp as well. So, you know, I I think things are trending in the right direction to land players like Trader and, and others like Luane McCoy as well, who was also um, at, a, at a prospect camp this weekend at Miami, performing at a really high level. What are, what are the chances you think with this commitment that more of these Miami Gardens Ravens end up in the class? Well, there's two of them that we know are the biggest of the bunch, which are Jeremiah Smith and Josiah Trader. I feel really good about JoJo ending up at the University of Miami. I think it's more of a battle between Florida State and Miami right now. And I, I, in my opinion, this has pushed Miami over the top, having that relationship and the comfortability of having a Ryan Mack, a Chance Robinson, and a Vincent Chavers now in the program, it, it makes it a seamless transition for a trader to end up at Miami. There's still that pipeline of Shaman Madonna for him as well. Uh, there, there's just so many things going right for Miami in the recruitment of Schrader, plus the need for him to come in and potentially play very early at an outside receiver spot. And even if it doesn't work out a receiver for Trader, he could play corner, which is another position of need for Miami. So I, I think that he is one of those vital players in this class. I think that there's really just three guys that Miami is gung-ho about really making sure are, ends up at, you know, ends up staying home in this class is Zaquan Patterson, Jeremiah Smith, and Josiah Trader. They are, they obviously got Chance Robinson and Vince already in the class, which are two other guys that I think are extremely important pipeline players from St. Thomas Aquinas and Central. So I love the chance of JoJo ending up in this class. JJ, Jeremiah Smith, he, he's the one that it's still up in the air, right? He, he's talked about development. I think Kevin Beard fits that mold. He was here this weekend on a, on a, on a official visit, which is something that transitioned from an, was supposed to be a midweek unofficial visit, one day trip. Uh, and he canceled on Penn State to stay at Miami for the weekend. And I think it was huge, huge to have a guy like Chance Robinson, as well as Judd Anderson on campus for that official visit to kind of give him an idea of what Miami really can offer from a familiarity standpoint and also getting him to be friends with the quarterback. We know that's been a factor in his recruitment at the other spots. Dylan Raiola is recruiting him specifically at the University of Georgia. DJ Lagway recruiting him specifically at the University of Florida. And you got Aid, uh, you got Air Nolan, who was a, a Miami lean at one point, at Ohio State, who was pushing hard to keep him in the class. So with Judd Anderson now getting into the fray of those quarterbacks that are recruiting JJ, I think that's going to help them in this case. Now we know that Miami has to win at least eight games to have a shot here. If you don't have a good season, you're not going to have a chance on flipping JJ. I think J I think Josiah Trader could end up committing before the year. That's something that I would not be surprised to see happen. But I do not see a flip from JJ until closer to early signing day. I think he wants to see how Florida does. He wants to see how the passing offense at Georgia goes with a new quarterback in there. I think he wants to see how Ohio State does. Can they beat Michigan? Can they, can they keep things rolling? Does Ryan Day get on the hot seat? Those are all things that I think he's going to want to look at, and that's going to come down to probably closer to early signing day. 
Yeah, for JJ, man, I, I think it's I think it's a long shot, man. I, I really do. Um, just because of the success that Ohio State has had in the draft. And I think that is key for JJ. I mean, when I last spoke to JJ and every time to JJ, that that's that's one of the key factors. I mean, that and and the fact that you know you got one of his buddies, uh former SFE teammate and Brandon Ennis are already there as well. And I, I just think these the success of Ohio State putting wide receivers in the draft is a huge factor. Now, and when you look at the flip side, in Miami um, did not have a receiver drafted last year. And this year, likely not going to have a receiver uh, drafted as well. So it from that aspect, it, it looks it looks bleak. I think I agree with you. I think Miami does have to have a good season, at least eight wins. And when you get to seven, you, that's kind of an average eight. I th- I feel like you're on the cusp of 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 getting to greatness. Um, but seven is just average, and and I, I know it's just one game, uh, literally from seven to eight. But but I really think that is. Uh, going to be a huge factor and like you said uh, Ohio State season uh, is he is is Ryan Day going to look into other options maybe after this season or is uh, Ohio State going to fall off you know I think those are very critical factors uh, for JJ for JoJo, um, I actually disagree with you I don't I think he wastes this thing out I, I actually think he won't commit until like mid to to late season because uh, I think he wants to make sure he enjoys his process um takes as many visits as he can and um I, I think he I out of all of the Miami Gardens Ravens I think he has one of the best chances uh to commit to Miami and, I just don't think I just don't think he's a kid that enjoys the process, though, Marcus. I don't think he I don't think he he likes the attention. I think he he kind of wants to get things done. You don't really see him talking about a lot of these schools. You don't see him really, you know, putting stuff on social media really that much about about the recruiting process. He's really not a kid who who's big on that recruiting attention, and he's dwindled things down pretty quickly to. You know, the likes of Ohio State, I don't really feel is in it at all. Uh, Georgia, a little bit, right? It's really just been Florida State and Miami for a long time now. And I think that he kind of wants to make a decision. And and Ryan Mack being a childhood friend and somebody that he can lean on with Rod Mack, obviously being an extension of the program now, uh, as both an alumni and a father of somebody who's committed, while having Chance Robinson committed and Vincent Shavers committed, I, I would not be surprised to see. Now, I'm not guaranteeing that he's going to commit before the year, but, you know, uh, the latest would be midseason, like you said. But I, I think he he's a kid that wants to get this process over with rather than string things along. I do agree with you on the fact that I don't think he quite uh, enjoys the attention. Um, he seems, uh, you know, just a little bit maybe uncomfortable with, with it all. 
but I think he does enjoy the visits. You know, this is a guy who basically, uh, uh, basically visited the uh, College Station last season for for the Miami game, and it was more so for Miami. That's a road game that he, you know, basically wanted to attend. So I can almost guarantee that he's going to do the same for the Florida State. Uh, and, and Miami game, he's I'm, I, I can almost guarantee everything that he's going to be at that game. So I think he enjoys that aspect of it. But I do agree. I, I think he he doesn't like the limelight that that recruiting brings. But uh, we'll see. It's going to be a fun ride. But there are some other guys from this Miami Gardens pipeline that Miami is looking into, and some not so much, you know, and I'll. Uh, I think from the South Florida, uh, you know, contingency that my um, it disappointed at, at, at not, I guess, pursuing some of these guys. You know, you put out a tweet recently showing, you know, an uh, old Miami Gardens picture uh, with some guys. And I saw people commenting on, oh, OK, why, why aren't they not going after this guy, after that guy? And those guys are. Uh, just so you know, everyone knows, is uh, C.J. Bailey, the quarterback of of Shamanad Madonna, also the uh, running back Davion Bullet Goss, um, committed to North Carolina. C.J. Bailey committed to NC State, and of course, Lawane McCoy. Lawane McCoy committed to Florida State. Like I mentioned, was at a prospect camp on Sunday, um, and then. I think we've talked about everybody else um, as far as major players. Of course, you'll I know you'll name anybody else that I'm missing. But as far as those guys that are left on the board from the Miami Guards purple machine, um, who do you think also ends up in this class? So OJ Frederick is a kid that actually grew up through, through the Miami Gardens Ravens program as well, connection with, with Rod Mack. And I think he's a guy that is on flip watch uh, from West Virginia after this weekend, heard the visit went swimmingly. And I, I think the commitment to West Virginia was more of a backup plan to Miami taking him rather than him actually just wanting to go to West Virginia. So I, I think this week he, he's potentially that next guy uh, to commit in this class. Um, Luane McCoy, Miami loves him. Miami loves him. We saw Mario Cristobal talking to him at the camp, uh, you know, them walking down the field in the IPF together and, and just having a conversation. And he's an, he's an explosive talent. He's arguably the top skill position player in Miami-Dade County. So that's another notch that Miami would love to obviously have in this 2024 class. But he's currently committed to FSU. I don't think he ends up at FSU. I think that was a very early decision by Lewayne. But – a team to watch out for for me is UCF. He, he had a visit to UCF before Miami, and they, they knocked it out of the park, and they're landing some big fish. They, they got Stacey Gage, who was kind of, of a surprise, and they're going into the Power Five uh, you know, conference of, big, of being a Big 12 member. And I, I think that's a huge factor when you're talking about South Florida kids being recruited by UCF. It gives them another stay-at-home you – know, Three hours away, it's not that bad. You know, your parents can come see you play. Your family and friends can come see you play. And you're at a place where 
maybe you're more of a priority than you would be at the University of Miami. Wayne is Wayne to me is one of the most natural receivers in this 2024 class. I think that, and I've said this publicly, that Josiah Trader is the number one corner in the country, and that's where he should end up playing. And Wayne McCoy would be the the guy that I would add as an outside receiver, along with Chance Robinson and Jeremiah Smith. But you obviously take JoJo for whatever he wants to play. But I, I, I don't know if Wayne ends up in this class. I think he is considering Miami. I'd be looking more so at UCF, uh, maybe even Oregon with his connection to Michael Van Buren from their raw playing days uh, this offseason. And, and I think there's going to be a lot of other suitors. I don't think his process is going to come to an end until a little bit closer to early signing day as well. Um, Davion Gals would love him to be in the class. I think if they didn't get Kevin Riley and Jared Gibson, Davion Gals was going to be the guy that they went after. But you and I both know that Kevin Riley was option number one for Miami at the running back position. They thought he was one of the best football players, regardless of position, in the entire 2024 class nationally. So he was a huge get for Miami, a whale-type prospect that we've spoke about uh, on Twitter and in the articles that we've posted. Just a truly elite talent at the running back position. And then you got Chris Wheatley Humphrey, who's a South Florida native. We saw how good he was doing uh, at, at the Miami 7-on-7 seven seven camp as a defensive back as well. So he provides that versatility uh, and speed at that running back position and potentially more uh, in this class. Kind of that Chris Johnson compliment to, to Kevin Riley. So I, I don't think there's any room for Bullet in this class, unfortunately. If anything happened with Riley, say Riley ended up flipping closer to the end of the process, back to Alabama or something like that, which is the hometown team, or if Georgia lost somebody in the class and, and ended up trying to get back into things, I, I would not be surprised to see them try to reconnect with a bullet the same way they did with Mark Fletcher after he opened things up with Ohio State. Um, and C.J. Bailey, I love C.J. We know he's a winner. He, he's lost like five games in his entire life stemming from Little League, two-time state champion, going to be a third this year going to be one of the all-time greatest quarterbacks, in my opinion, in South Florida history. But he, he fits a lot of the same mold as Judd Anderson. Tall guy with some questionable uh, you know, technique issues uh, that are going to have to be refined at the next level. Going to be more of a project, not a guy that comes in and starts as a freshman. And do you take two projects? Uh, I don't know if you do. And I think if they take another quarterback, it'll probably be someone who's more of a blue chip top 10 type guy rather than a guy who's more of a top 20 type guy like a C.J. Bailey. Would love to have him in the class. Just don't know if he's a take for Shannon Dawson and the recruiting staff of Dennis Smith and more. So love him. Don't think it's going to happen. I think he is locked in with NC State as well. Yeah, of all the... Miami Gardens Ravens that are still on the board. I still feel good about Josiah Trader, and I feel I feel pretty good about Lewayne McCoy as well. Um, I it's funny like when I was at the uh, prospect camp, he he worked out in Florida State gloves, but then when the uh, camp was over, he took the gloves off and he put a Hurricane shirt on. So it could be a little bit of a you know, um, you know. It's foreshadowing there, <laughs> but who knows? Who knows? We'll, but we'll, we'll see how, how that all plays out. 
Now, Miami's class is starting to build, and, and Miami's got some blue chippers, no five stars as of yet, um, but they're starting to really build uh, this class. And this time last year, they're actually ahead of the game from where they were this time last year. And last year, they ended up with a top 10 class. So as far as blue chip players, and, and there were uh, a few that were – that were on campus last weekend, uh, like uh, Ja'Cory Barney and uh, Marquise Lightfoot, Caleb Odom, and others, which which not only do which one of those players, Chris Cole, I, I got to mention as well, was also on campus. Um, which one of those players do you think ends up in this class from the weekend? And how many blue chippers overall do you think ends up in this class? So it's, it's going to be a tough, tough weekend to predict just because Miami is battling the likes of Georgia and Alabama for a lot of those kids. Chris Cole is a Miami-Georgia battle. Uh, Caleb Odom is a Miami-Alabama battle, right? Uh, Jalen Hayward is already a, a Georgia commit right now. Uh, yeah. Marquise Lightfoot is being recruited by the likes of Ohio State, Alabama. Just everybody is after Marquise Lightfoot. It, it's going to be a couple. I don't think that there's going to be any. Ja'Cory Barney is the one that's closest for me. He's closest. I, he has not made a decision. He has not made a decision yet. He'll be committing on July 1st, but nothing has been set in stone for him. And he loves Miami. There is a lot of love there. But Miami came into the game late. This has been yeah. something that has been developing over the last like three three plus weeks, beginning of the beginning of June, he lit it up at a at the I think it was the first Miami seven on seven camp where he yeah. put on an absolute show, and and that really turned Kevin Beard and the recruiting staff on to the potential of adding him into the class. You you don't end up with a Tank Hawkins, right? You're probably not going to get a Drayon Miller. It, it, it doesn't look like you're going to get a Bray Staley. I, I think he probably ends up at a Clemson or South Carolina or something along those lines, right? And I, I think he could be that slot receiver of the class. And, you know, he is six foot, but he has that versatility to play pretty much anywhere in that receiving room. And I, I know that Shannon Dawson was talking to him about how they utilize Tank Dell uh, at, at Houston in his air raid offense. There, there's a lot of intriguing parts of his recruitment that fit what, fit what Miami is looking for and, and his ability and – in his interest as well, but Texas A&M is a real threat here. And I, you know, I got a chance to speak to him. We'll have an article out today on, uh, you know, how that visit went and the conversations he had with Coach Beard as well as Judd Anderson. But Coach Coley, a former Miami Hurricane uh, offensive coordinator, is pushing really hard to get him into the class. Texas A&M does a good job of recruiting South Florida. They've snagged guys from Miami in the past, and he yeah. could be the next one. So. It, this one's probably going to come down to the wire of Saturday. I think Saturday is July 1st, right? Yeah, it is. Yeah, so uh, it's going to come down to this weekend. Uh, but I, I do like Miami's chances. A few other guys that I don't think that are going to end up in the class. I don't think Ricky Knight ends up in the class. I think he ends up going to Florida State. Xavier Mincy, don't think he ends up in the class. I think Red Morgan ends up staying closer to home. Um, Sendre Iufa, uh, I know. Oh, he's the, the most talented offensive lineman that Miami is recruiting heavily in this class. I don't think he's going to have a process that ends anytime soon. Artavius Jones 
is intriguing for me. Miami hit it out of the park on this visit. They like him at the defensive tackle position, and I think he could be a guy that could end up in this class as well. Don't think he commits this week or anything like that, but it, it, that's something to watch as well. Chris Cole, Miami was the spot for a long time. Miami right. was the spot for a long time, but Georgia has made things really interesting. It, they, they killed it on their visit. I think they see him as one of those uber-athletic off-ball linebackers that fit what they want to do. Um, and my, listen, Miami is, is home for him in a lot of different ways. He has family yeah. in the area. Obviously, Rohan Marley is a relative of his and sure. has been pushing for him to end up following, following down his path. But the, He was the, at Legends Camp as well last, last week. Yeah, yeah and I just – it's going to be tough. It's going to be tough to compete with Georgia at the linebacker position every year. They are putting a guy in the first round at that, at that, at that spot. And, and a lot of guys that fit the same mold of Chris Cole. So he has exploded in the recruiting game as of lately. I think he's a top 100 prospect now pretty much for everybody. So would love to see him in the class. I, I think it's going to be, it's going to be a process for him though. Kendall Jackson is going to be a Florida Miami battle. He is a Gainesville kid. So Miami is fighting an uphill battle. Um, and, and like I said before, OJ Frederick is a kid that I think ends up in this class. I think he's on commit watch as soon as this week. Wow. I mean, it's, it, it was a, a loaded weekend and we didn't even mention the, the players besides uh, Chance Robinson and, and Judd. Anderson that are actually committed to the program. Juan also Manaya. visited, yeah, Juan Manaya, uh, the kicker, uh, also as well. I did visit as well as Isaiah Thomas as well. He is one of the five blue chippers uh, or five four stars, you could say, that are currently committed to the University of Miami, along with uh, Vincent Shavers, uh, Chance Robinson, Elijah Lofton. Kevin Riley, uh, those are your four-star guys at the moment um, with potential for guys to, you know, kind of uh, be upgraded uh, to four stars. Uh, we'll see how everything kind of uh, plays out here. Uh, Cameron Pruitt, I mean, looking at his tape, uh, that kid is just, wow. He, he, he has an amazing tape, and I think he has a chance to up his stock to possibly a four-star uh, down the line. Um, the others, uh, I think, probably likely to stay three stars. I think Chris, Chris Wheatley Humphrey has a chance, of course, to uh, jump up to a four-star as well. We kind of saw the same ascension uh, with uh, Chris Johnson uh, last year, so that could be a, a similar path uh, with him. Uh, but this class definitely has a chance to, of course, get to uh top 10 status uh, you know well, we'll we'll see kind of how it all plays out currently they are ranked 28th uh in the nation with 13 commits and uh rivals has the most uh four stars rated for this Miami Hurricanes 2024 class so there's going to be, of course, a lot of pressure for Mario Cristobal to repeat uh, a, a successful recruiting class as he did in 2023. But there's definitely going to be a lot of pressure on him to perform on the field because that's kind of what matters, right? I mean, 
you could have the best recruiting class in the world, but what matters is what happens on the field. And uh, a clear example of, of that not working out is uh, Texas A&M had one of the best recruiting classes in the history of recruiting a couple years back. And last year, you know, they didn't make a bowl game. So, um, so, or did they? Did they make a bowl game, Texas A&M? They did not make a bowl game. Just want to make sure that was right. <laughs> um, so, so yeah, uh, it, it really matters what is happening on the field. So there's going to be pressure on Mario Cristobal. Miami hired a new baseball coach this week in J.D. Arteaga. Great guy. I had a chance to speak to him personally. This is with my days at Hotbed. A really, of course, very sad story that I reported during that time with his son, Ari Atiaga. Um, just, just a really sad story. And, and, and to be honest, Frank, at the time, I didn't even realize that he was the uh, pitching coach uh, for the baseball team at, at the time. Um, but, you know, he is a guy who is, is loved here in South Florida uh, just for his contributions to the baseball team as a player as a coach, he's been promoted as pit, from pitching coach to the head coaching job. But this is a team that has very high expectations, like the football team. You know, it's uh, they made it to um, uh, another regional or hosted another regional this season, but that's kind of the minimum for this baseball team. That's the minimum expectation is to host a regional, which is pretty high expectations for, for any team to be one of the top six, like the minimum is to be one of the top 16 teams in all of baseball. And there's a gazillion teams. Um, and he goes into a high pressure situation himself. Uh, Gino DeMare, uh, you know, just kind of, suddenly decided to resign. I don't think anyone really kind of saw that coming. But Miami fans are want want results, you know, just like they want results on the football field as well. When you look at year two for Mario Cristobal and year one for JD, who do you think has the who has more pressure to perform on the field? That's a tough one, right? I, I think the pressure is on JD uh, just because if you look at the response from his hire, it was not uh, the guy that they wanted. It, he, he is a legend, uh, as you spoke about. He's a community guy. Columbus dedicated their state championship to uh, his son uh, after he passed away. So he, yes. he's, he's one of those guys that, um, you know, he has the heart of Miami, but that doesn't mean that you're the right guy for the job. And I'm not saying that he is. I'm no baseball expert by any stretch of the imagination, but uh, I, I think there's a lot of pressure on him because I, I think the expectations for the baseball program are higher than, than the football team right now. We've seen them win more recently, maybe not a national championship, but, just overall, uh, them, 
like they won 40 games this year. They hosted a regional for the second consecutive season. And if, if they had any ounce of pitching, which was his job, they might have been able to move on to the College World Series. So I think there's a lot of pressure on him because this could be a one-year deal for him if, if things go bad this season. Mario, Mario got like a 10-year deal when he was hired. First year, it wasn't his team. You got to remember, JD has been part of the staff for, for some time now. He's been part of the recruiting process at the University of Miami. These are his players at just as well as they were everybody else uh, in the baseball program. So he's got familiarity. There, there should be an tra easy transition for him. It, they shouldn't have a drop-off by any stretch of the imagination, despite losing some core players uh, on the team. But uh, I think that Mario has pressure this year, but he's not on the hot seat yet. Uh, I think JD starts the job on the hot seat. So that's why I'm going with him. Yeah, the optics don't look good for this baseball hire because they swung and missed at a lot of other other potential candidates that they wanted. And it's the optics show that they settled for JT Arteaga. And that just does just doesn't look good and that's why I'm not surprised that you know the Mayan fans are not too too happy uh with uh Arteaga. I mean, once again, they love him as a guy. I think everybody loves him as a guy, as a person, and everybody is rooting for him to win, obviously. And I think can he get the job done? Of course he can. But will he get the job done? That's yet to be seen because as you stated, pitching was a concern last season. This team did not have a problem hitting the baseball. This team did not have a problem scoring. But baseball is, is one of those games where, where um, your outstanding hitting is hitting 40% of the time, right? <laughs> so if – if, if you're hitting 40% of the time, that means your pitching has to come through in, in games. It just has to because you're not always going to get hitting. So many a times uh, this season, the pitching just wasn't up to par. And for the pitching coach, then thus uh, getting promoted to the head coaching job, it just – the, the the optics just don't look good, you know, from, from the outside looking in. Uh, but do I think Arteaga can make it happen? I think he can. I think this year he gets a grace year. Um, and when I say grace, I mean he can – like we can have a repeat of last year, and I think he gets a pass, you know. I think – if they make it to a regional, I, I think they don't even have to host a regional. Um, just make it to a regional, I, I think, is is the minimum. If you don't make it to a regional, then, yeah, they, they, they'll be hell to pay. <laughs> um, but uh, making it to a regional and being competitive, I think JD gets a pass in, in year one. And when he gets to year two, that's when that hot seat is going to be on fire. I actually think there's more pressure on Mario Cristobal to perform on the field because you've had one and a half, I guess you could say, uh, recruiting classes in. 
Uh, and you, you got another one coming in here. You've got, I think, more of a coaching staff that is more of your uh, construction, uh, so to speak. And I think that coaching staff last year were was kind of like uh, some last minute hires and some some veteran guys that weren't as hungry as this staff. This staff, I kind of I see and feel the hunger in this staff. Um, I see, I, I can see and, and feel the efforts of, of Shannon Dawson and Lance Gidry and Kevin Beard and, and Coach D. Nick. Like these these new pieces, and of course Jason Taylor. These new pieces, I think, are going to make a, 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 a hell of a difference for this football team. And you don't really have any excuses. You have a veteran quarterback. You've got an offensive line that you basically constructed and put together, and you are an offensive line guy, right? And you've got some key pieces in the transfer portal. You know, we're in a new age of college football where the transfer portal can help you turn around a program in one year. And the pieces that they added via transfer portal, I think are going to be a huge difference for this football team. Because to me, Frank, the the problem, there were a couple of problems with this team. Uh, I already mentioned the, the coaching staff last year. I think they improved on that. And I think they improved depth-wise because what really hurt this team was injuries, you know, and not being able to recover from those injuries. So they stacked ta talent on talent on talent when it comes to the transfer portal. Now, there are a couple of areas that, you know, maybe still a little bit thin, but they, they stacked that running back now all of a sudden. They're stacked at DB all of a sudden. They're stacked at linebacker all of a sudden, especially with that last addition, addition of KJ Cloyd uh, to, you know, to the roster. They're stacked at D-line. Um, I think offensive line, you get all your pieces that have been injured. Uh, like when I'm when I'm talking about backups, you, you, you got, you know, Logan Sacopolo as a backup. You got uh, Jonathan Dennis as a backup. You got Lawrence Seymour as a backup. And these are guys that have played in games. You know, those are all potentially backup guys for you, along with, you know, a possible, um, you know, uh, Samson Open Lola, Ryan Rodriguez. These all these guys are are the second level in, in the offensive line, not the starters. So uh, and then wide receiver, I think, is is pretty stacked as well. All these players are still there. Frank Latson's still there. Um, Michael Redding is still there. And those guys are, are going to be likely rotational pieces. So as long as Tyler Van Dyke stays healthy, Frank. <laughs> I think this team is is bound to improve. If they don't improve, whoa. The there's hot no seat. chance. There's no chance, but there's no chance. There's just <laughs> there, 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 there's absolutely no chance that they, they that they don't improve on last season. There's zero percent chance. I I, I I I would make any bet in the world. I'll bet any amount. I've done my life on it that Miami has a better season than they did last year. I, it, it's just, it's impossible. 
right? You, you spoke about all the things that they did. They, they, they improved the offensive line tremendously, not just from the transfer portal with Matt Lee and JV on Cohen, but they went and get, grabbed five guys from the high school ranks. Francis Malagoa, instant starter. Tommy Kinsler, they have absolutely raved about as a guard. And we know Samson Okamola is extremely talented. So immediately, three impact guys right there with the yeah. potential of being able to develop Frankie Tenelau and, and, and Antonio Tripp being a guy that down the road could be the center of the future. So I, I love what they're doing on the offensive line. Defensive line wasn't a problem last year. They've yeah. completely flipped the talent in the linebacker room, adding six guys, six guys to a linebacker room where you only start to. Defensive back-wise, they've gotten – a, a little bit more experience, right? TC is a guy that we think could be a, a, a really good nickel for this program. And then you add Jaden Davis to compete with him. Then you add Jadias, Jadias Richard, who is an absolute freak of nature. 6'2", yeah. 200 pounds, sub-1,100 times. Yeah. And, down the, yeah, and down, down the stretch last year, he was arguably Vanderbilt's best corner. He was really good. And, and, and he comes to Miami – as a guy with like three years of eligibility remaining. Then you add Demetrius Freeney from College of San Mateo, who was the national champion in the JUCO ranks last year. He's got good length, 6'1", 190. Also, sub-11 speed. So now you've replaced DJ Ivy and Tyreek Stevenson with two guys that are similar to them. And, that's, and we haven't even spoke about Damari Brown. We still haven't yeah. talked about the athleticism of Robert Stafford. And you have two of the best safeties in the country in James Williams and Cam Kinchin. Everything is there. You didn't talk about Devontae Brown. Devontae Brown, too. I haven't even spoken about Devontae Brown. Like, everything – and Daryl Porter. Like, Daryl Porter has the potential to be a a starter. We saw him have some moments in the spring game, right? And and So, I think that everything is there. They've drastically improved depth. That's why I, I just don't feel like – I feel like Mario has done everything he has needed to do this offseason to prove that he's not stuck in the mud. He's not – there's no ego in, in developing this program the right way. He's willing to get rid of the dead weight, in, in, whether that's players, coaches, uh, personnel. Like, it doesn't matter to him. He's going to do whatever it takes to make the University of Miami great again. And I think that there's just not a lot of pressure because it's a 10-year deal. And I do think that they're going to win this year. Baseball, I do not know if they're going to be as good next year because you have a guy who didn't do a good job in his job before, right? Mario came to the University of Miami as a Pac-12 winning coach at the University of Oregon who had developed first-round pick after first-round pick making Oregon one of the hot spots of college football once again after they were a four-win team. So I, I, I think that J.D. Artiaga has to, has to prove he can even be a head coach. Mario came in with the expectations that he knows what he's doing. So I think there's a, there's a lot, a lot riding on that first year for J.D. Artiaga. But I, that, that's exactly why I think they are there's more pressure on Cristobal because – he has that experience and that's why I think JD's going to get a pass because he doesn't have that experience of being a head coach. And I, I think just the expectations are higher for, for Cristobal. I think if, if, if Cristobal um, ends this season with seven wins, that's a disappointing season. I think 
he has to get eight wins. He has to get at least eight wins. I think more nine is, is more like, okay, we're on the right track. So I think there's more pressure on him to get eight or nine wins than JD to get to a regional, you know? That, so that, let me ask you this. That, that's let my me, thing. Let me ask you this, right? Say JD barely touches 30 wins next year, right? Say he barely touches 30 wins next year. Don't, don't, right? don't put that in the atmosphere, bro. <laughs> and, say, and say Miami only wins seven games in football. Oof. Who do you think gets fired first? Fired first? Who would get fired first? Who would be who who would be first who would be let go quicker based on an extremely disappointing season? Yeah, based on that, yeah, I see JD getting fired before. Exactly. He's on the hot seat immediately. That guy walks in the building with his butt burned. Uh, you know, I just I just thought I don't know, man. I I they they listen, the A D is on the hot seat because of a hire, you know? Like Nobody was saying that he made a bad hire when he hired Mario, right? They were like they were they were trying to build a statue of Dan Radikowski, right? Like they were they were trying to build a statue of this guy. Like he was he was the, the greatest thing to happen to the University of Miami when he was hired. Now they're saying this guy's just a fundraiser. They're like he's the same thing as Blake James. He's the same guy. He doesn't he, he's going the same this is Manny Diaz all over again. Right? That like that's how bad the optics are of hiring JDRTI. So yeah. I, I guess we're going to see, man. I just feel like the with the way things were interpreted by the fan base uh, when he was hired, I I think this guy is, is, is his butt is burning already, boy. That's how I swear <laughs> I'm at with it. Yeah. Yeah. Well, we'll, we'll see what happens and, and definitely visit canescounty.com. Come to our message boards. We want to hear from you. Uh, to you know your opinion on JDRT, I got started a, a thread on that, um, and and then any other topic as well. I actually also wanted to mention that I started polls uh, on the message board uh, as far as your favorite all-time player at each position in football. Uh, we already I already started the the quarterback uh, one. I've already produced that article. Uh, the running back uh, message board post is there as well. Um, my favorite running back is trending towards the lead there. Um, yeah, Who is Frank, that, that, that's the wait and see, man. They have to go to the, the message board to see, man. Like, I, I'm not gonna, we, we'll talk about it off camera, but, um, but yeah, it's, it's going to be interesting to see how that plays out. We'll do that all the way up to leading to the football season, break down every position coaches as well best all-time coach. I'll do that as well. Um, but that's going to wrap it up for the Storm Tracker podcast. Make sure you follow us on all social media platforms. Follow the Crib South Florida for all updates. South Florida high school football. And make sure you subscribe to this channel live from Canes County. Until the next episode.